You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. About five years ago, I was sitting on a plane. I was returning back to the Gold Coast from my original hometown of Adelaide. And it was a very hard plane trip. It was a really sad trip for me. Uh, I had my earphones in and I was listening to music and reading the Bible. And the words I read from the passage really gave me a lot of comfort. And the music playing gave me a lot of comfort. I had been visiting my uncle, Uncle John. You can see a picture of him there. And uh, it was the last time I was going to see him alive. And I knew that. He was a really, really special uncle. We grew up together and uh, he was always filming, always had a video camera in his hand. Uh, He was a single man and uh, he used to invite us over to his house a lot. He was a history teacher, geography teacher, and he loved quizzes. He would, I would go to his house after school and he would sit there and he would, he would quiz me, ask me about capital cities and countries and populations and mountains. Uh, and we loved it. He, he actually loved quizzes. Um, he was on Sale of the Century. Anyone remember Sale of the Century? He, he won, won the lot, won everything on it. Um, and every holidays, Four times a year, my older brother and I would go to his house and we would watch three straight days of movies, non-stop, <laughs> stuffing our face with chocolate and chips and ice cream, a lot of fun. So he loved, he was a movie buff. Um, I always hoped my boys would have the chance to do that with him, but sadly they don't. And so anyway, I was sitting on the plane, having visited him because he was dying from cancer. And... Uh, I knew that was going to be the last time I was going to see him. I'd visited him in his house and, and he was very, very cachectic, very, very frail, lost a lot of weight and he could hardly get out of his chair. And the night before I left, I, I helped him up out of his chair and helped him into bed. And I sat with him in bed and uh, I asked him what his favourite Bible passage was and he told me his favourite Bible passage. And uh, I knew I'd be reading that a few weeks later at his funeral. And so there I was on the plane, reading that passage and listening to a song. And it really helped me grieve and helped give me comfort. Sometimes art can really help us us, uh, through a tough time. Literature, music, art, they can really help us pray, can help us uh, find peace and solace from God. Steve last week spoke about giving God the opportunity to speak to us, making space for God. He said that he wanted the month of May not to be a traditional sermon, um, but to be messages which really had a piece of art or a piece of music that opened us to listen to God. And so today I'm going to reflect in a similar way, but this week we're not reflecting on giving God an opportunity to speak. I want to reflect on this idea of how do we walk in faith when God doesn't seem to speak to us? And uh, at the end of the the message, I'm going to play that song that my uncle, that I listened to on the plane after leaving my uncle, and I'll read the verse of scripture and use that as a time or a springboard to reflect. There are times in our lives, though, when God doesn't speak, aren't there? You'll probably remember, most of you would have noticed or read at some stage in your life the the, uh, poem Footprints in the Sand. You see it up on walls in people's houses. It's a beautiful poem, isn't it? It's about a man who had a dream. A dream and he looked over his life in the dream 
and he saw two sets of footprints in the sand. One his, one the footprints of God. And as he was looking at the footprints, this is what he said. I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the times, the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. That bothered me. So I asked the Lord, I don't understand why. Why when I needed you most, you left me. There are times when God doesn't seem to speak to us, aren't there? How do we deal with that? Um, I, I work as a doctor and when I first started, back in 2002, I spent a few weeks working on the spinal unit in the Royal Adelaide Hospital. And here's a, a picture of the spinal unit. And one day a man got airlifted in from near Alice Springs. He was on his property and he was in a car that rolled over. And uh, he got airlifted into the Royal Adelaide Spinal Unit where a scan showed that he had severed his spinal cord up in his neck. So you can see that MRI scan there. There's a, there's a sort of a grey thing in the middle which is the spinal cord surrounded by some white line. That's the spinal fluid around it. And then you can see just in front of it to the left there's the, the vertebrae bones. And one of them you can see is crushed and pushing back on the spinal cord. Right at the level just below where the nerves that go to the lungs that keep you breathing are, and right above the level of the nerves that go to your arms and allow you to move your arms. So here was a man who had uh, broken his spine, damaged his spinal cord at the level where he never was going to move his arms or legs again. A man who was going to have suffering for the rest of his life. What an awful time that would have been for him. What made it even worse was in the car with him was his 12-year-old son. And his son was actually driving the car when it happened. And the car flipped and his son died. This is a man that not only was he never going to move his arms or legs again, but had to grieve the loss of a 12-year-old son. What, what a horrible time. It's something that we all experience, isn't it, suffering? Every one of us at some stage is going to suffer, going to find pain. When that happens, what do you do? We often call out, why? Why, God? Why are you letting this happen to me? Why won't you take this away? We ask the question, how could a good God allow suffering? There's actually a theological word for that. It's called theodicy. How could a good God allow us to suffer? But he does, doesn't he? Ask the question, why did Uncle John get cancer and die? I don't know the reason. We don't know the reason why it happened. I mean, I guess you could say maybe the fall that brought sin and death to the world. Or maybe it's just, there's no reason. It's just one of those random events. But does that help? How does it help knowing that? Why did this man end up quadriplegic without a son? I guess you could say, well, it was a bad decision. There was human error. But we don't really know why it happened. And, and how does it help even if we get that answer? We cry out to God. We ask, why? Why, God, are you allowing this suffering? And sometimes he doesn't answer. We don't hear anything. We don't know why. And even if we could give an answer, is it really going to make a difference? 
So perhaps the question, why, is the wrong question. When we're suffering, a rational explanation of the suffering doesn't actually take away the pain, does it? C.S. Lewis uh, wrote a couple books about suffering. The first one was in the 1940s, and he wrote a book called The Problem of Pain, which was kind of a theoretical framework of how a good God could allow suffering and pain. Twenty years later, he wrote another book on suffering, and it was very different. A grief observed. His wife had died, and he had to write about how he dealt with the suffering. Maybe why actually isn't the question we're meant to ask when we're suffering. Maybe the question is how. How do I find peace through the suffering? How do I find peace even when God isn't answering me when I'm calling out to him? I think that's the question we're meant to ask. Now, I come to this topic knowing that that I've got no special authority to speak on it. And in fact, my suffering has been minor compared to probably many people here. So I, I come to the topic humbly, just sharing some observations. I know that there are many here that understand this far better than I do. Others here who have suffered and have come through the suffering. You, you know much better than I. But I'm going to share a few observations because the Bible does speak about this. So how do we find peace in suffering? Well, the world has answers. It gives answers, doesn't it? Find some excitement, build up your wealth, distract yourself, find pleasures, take away your suffering through pleasures, distraction, wealth, excitement. I don't know what you think about those answers, but I think they're probably pretty empty, aren't they? They don't actually change the suffering, they don't work. There is another answer though, and it's an answer from God, and it's a trustworthy answer. It's from God. He's our creator. He is infinite in his wisdom. So he knows about everything. And he knows about suffering. And he knows how to find peace in suffering. And what's more, it's not just a theoretical thing for God. He actually suffered. So he can bring us through suffering. He understands in a way that is going to answer it. Do you remember when Jesus... uh, gave his Sermon on the Mount, he he gave a parable about a man who built his house on a rock and the man who built his house on sandy ground. And he speaks about, in that parable, how we hold firm in the storm. And that storm might be suffering. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it didn't fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a crash. That's part of the answer that God gives us for being safe in that storm of suffering. It's to hear his words put them into practice, to build our life on that foundation. When we do build our life on that foundation, when we know Jesus, we learn to trust him. We know we can trust him. Remember the story um, of Jesus' friend Lazarus, who died and Jesus came to Lazarus' tomb. And Jesus cried out and wept. 
Jesus cares. He actually cares when people suffer. Think back to Isaiah 53, where we can read that Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He bore our punishment. That's how much he cares about us. He takes away a lot of our suffering. He's taking it away. And then in Revelation, he tells us that Jesus is going to wipe away every one of our tears in heaven. He's going to one day make everything right. We can trust Jesus. He cares about us. He takes away our suffering and one day he'll make everything right. So Jesus may not always answer us the question of why we're suffering, but he does teach us how to suffer. The only fulfilling answer to suffering is actually Jesus, to trust Jesus. So it leads me to think of these questions. Are you actually suffering right now? There might be people here who really are suffering, who are finding life very tough. You need to know Jesus cares for you and he's got a plan for you. But maybe everything's good right now. Maybe one day, everything's good right now, but one day it won't be. One day things are going to change and you will find you're in a storm of suffering. So you need to know. You need to know Jesus now so you're ready to stand firm in that storm. You need to have that relationship of trust developed before it happens. So, sitting on the plane and I was listening to the song, which I'm going to play now. After the song, just going to have some time of silent prayer. You know what you need to ask God and he knows, he knows what you need. So spend that time in prayer, either about your current suffering or asking for faith in that time when suffering comes. And then I'll finish the time of silent prayer with a Bible passage. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will take you to be with me so that you're where I am.